0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Sarah Payton about unconscious contracts and managing our emotions. Sarah Payton, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It is a pleasure to be with you. I'm super thrilled to have this conversation with you. We're going to be exploring what you call unconscious contracts and really what that means and how that relates to how we manage our emotions. Ultimately, we deal with so much in work and in life and trying to figure out how to deal with our emotions, to acknowledge our emotions, to deal with our emotions in a healthy way. Uh, is a big part of personal and life success, but also leadership success and our ability to work effectively with our team.
1: It's so true. And one of the things to know about emotions is that, um, and it's so important for leadership, the part of our brain that's really good at leadership and team building and has a sense of people and intuition about people and knows how to be in relationship with people and get the best out of them is unfortunately the part of our brain that also holds all of our trauma memories. So when we step into leadership, sometimes we're stepping into trauma, which is why some people are like, no, don't bring leadership anywhere near me. I won't take that promotion. I'm not going to move up. I'm not going to manage people because as soon as they start to move into that area of, of using those parts of their brain, all of their shame and past experiences of failure just come flooding in. So as soon as we start to know that, as soon as we start to know anything about the brain, it's like we get to become a little bird looking at ourselves going, oh, look at that brain, (laughs) instead of believing you know, instead of believing that we're a failure, instead of believing the shame, then there's this capacity to be outside ourselves and go, well, of course I have that response. That's a trauma response. And I have very good historical reasons for feeling a little bit anxious and vulnerable when it comes to stepping into leadership positions, or when it comes to, yeah, leading kind of humanly, rather than
0: yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, that's a really good kind of introduction to what we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I just wanted to share Sarah's bio with everybody. Sarah Payton trains teams and individuals intentionally in the effectiveness of emotional warmth and integration to support contribution and engagement, customer and co-worker relationships, and in how to foster a whole brain workplace. She's a certified trainer of nonviolent communication and is the author of three books, for WW Norton, including your the your resilient self workbook, a guide a guided tour through the neuroscience of unconscious contracts that we make with ourselves. So all of that's uh, really wonderful. yeah she, uh, for those of you just listening, she's holding up uh, the book so you can see uh, her copy of it uh, and I'll give uh, Sarah, I'll give you a chance to talk more about that and where listeners can find that at the end of the episode today. Um, but why don't we start there and, and uh, as we really dive on in, Uh, Tell us a little bit more about specifically what you mean by unconscious contracts. What are those? Why do they matter? Uh, And then we can get into how we use them to manage our emotions.
1: Um, Unconscious contracts are like the behavioral codes that we have embedded in our brains as a result of trauma. So for example, As a result of trauma and also as a result of living in the family systems that we're born into. Because when we're little people, we love unconditionally. We come out of our moms and we're just like little love beams, And we want everybody to be okay. And even before we have words, we want everybody to be okay. The research of Beatrice Beebe shows that babies by the age of four months, which is long before we're verbal, are actually modifying their facial expression vocabulary to reflect their mother or father's capacity to be in relationship with them. The baby narrows and edits their facial expression vocabulary to match their mom or dad's facial expression vocabulary. So we're already trying to use our nervous systems to belong and to balance and to support the worlds that we're born into. And then these become, I mean, because heck, this is long before words. This is, you know, four to eight months before babies start talking. We, we, we create a behavior like an equation. That's, that's like, if somebody's sad, I will be happy. If somebody is angry, I will freeze. If somebody's scared, I'll try to comfort them. If if somebody is too scared, I will freeze in order not to bring on danger. Um, There are like all these little tiny behavioral emotional equations that babies make that we then carry as adult people. Um, Many times uh, I meet women who get very frustrated because whenever they get angry they cry and they don't want to be crying they want to be able to be angry and in the workplace if you're angry and you cry it's like a loss of face sometimes even so though but inside of those women's brains there's an equation when i get angry i will cry probably because it's safer than being angry and so those equations for us to be effective leaders, we need to become aware of them, and we need to begin to release them. Is this making sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so we what I'm hearing is from the time our youngest days uh, as young children, we're starting to encode in our brains kind of patterns of how we're going to deal with and cope with certain stimuli, certain emotional stimuli around us. And that carries forward with us into adulthood and in how we interact with with you know, partners and family members and coworkers and everyone in our adult life, and, and a lot of times we don't even really recognize why we're doing what we're doing, why we're responding that way. Especially if we happen to be responding in a way that doesn't seem quite um, congruent with the situation, <clears throat> and people might question, you know, why we're responding that way. Like you just said, with with uh, someone crying when they're really just angry. Um, but there's lots of examples like that, and I think we all tend to fall into those kinds of patterns. Uh, well, we allow those p- patterns to continue to influence how we behave and how we interact with those around us. Uh, and so I guess the question is, what can we do about that? If we, if we, uh, c- can we interrupt that? Can we start to rewire our brain and, and uh, reframe the way we respond to the emotions that we're feeling so we can respond in healthy, productive ways?
1: Yes, we can. And it's deep, strange, fun work uh that uh, that kind of takes people by surprise because what's happening is that we have those codes in place because they're n- not given words everything that we do that we don't give words to remains kind of stuck uh f- for us and we often actually think it's our personality not even realizing that it's that it's um that it's just a code. It's like, it's software. We get to rewrite the code. It's not hardware. Um, the, uh, the, the hardware gets is, is that the amygdala, which is where the unconscious contracts live, is wired to, to send alarm messages to the whole brain. And the software, is what gets installed by our experience of relationship where we go, oh, I make sense. So every time we get angry and and we say to ourselves, of course I'm angry, <laughs> rather than we not we're not saying, of course that man is in, you know, expletive, expletive, expletive. We say, no, we say, of course I'm angry. And and when we're there in that place of like, yeah, I have a right to be angry. And we just breathe. Then we can make entirely different decisions than if we go down the road of of blame. the The idea of anger as separate from blame is hugely supportive for all of us, and especially in leadership. So um, you know, of course, I'm angry that the project wasn't delivered at time, on time. Not, of course, I'm angry that person is a is a slimy worm and they shouldn't exist. You know, it's like two different two different ways of being with our anger. So um, so the, un, the uh, releasing of the unconscious contract is a bit like rewriting the code. Yeah. But in order to rewrite the code, we have to think of ourselves as relational beings. So if we say, I will never be angry, which some people do, they say, I will never be angry. And and if they start to think about how is this relational, they might discover that it's actually, I will never be angry in order not to frighten my mother. And when they go, oh, that's old. I don't need to do that anymore. My mother's been dead for 10 years. Or I, I don't, she lives across the country. I don't see her. She, I'm not going to frighten her if I'm angry at work you know we then we start to claim a power a certain kind of power and the anger is actually really important not as an abusive force but as a life protective force it's incredibly important to have access uh, everybody's got an anger circuit so it's really important to have access to our anger circuit but to know what uh, what love it's linked to when we know that our anger is linked to love, it helps us to modulate and make good choices around things that are really important to us, and that then let us mm, release the ideas and rewrite the code so we can say, we, have a, we had a contract that said, I will never be angry in, not to, in order not to frighten my mother, no matter the cost to myself or others. get to say oh no that doesn't make sense I'm going to rewrite this and my new code is going to be I get to be angry and know what I love and express it in ways that are healthy and supportive of my work in the world and my strong and beautiful family life which is an entirely different code kind of gives me goosebumps what's it like to hear
0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organization's. We look forward to having you join us yeah, I, I think as you 're describing all of this again, it comes back to to self awareness, I think, um, because how are you going to possibly rewrite the code if you 're not even aware of what 's going on inside of you or why? I mean, it's one of the reasons why people go to therapists, right? Because they're trying to unlock <laughs> what, what all these past experiences and, and, you know, sometimes trauma, sometimes just perfectly normal, uh, you know, innocuous kind of life experiences have done to kind of shape the way we we interact with the world today. Um, and, and I'm all for, you know, people utilizing uh, therapy and, and, and learning how to um, connect with themselves in, in healthy ways. Uh, But it doesn't necessarily take therapy, you can practice self reflection and mindfulness. And you can, as you as you start to go through the process of just really carefully evaluating, okay, I feel this emotion coming up, how am I responding to it? Why am I responding to it that way? And going through that exercise. uh, It's amazing how quickly you can start to realize some of these things just on your own, if you go if you slow down and go through that process.
1: Yeah, it's so true we do have that power, that capacity to turn toward ourselves and to look at these things. We're, we're told by, the, by society, we're told by business, we're told by the dominant culture that we are individuals and that we are separate from everybody else and our behavior has nothing to do with everybody else and we just are supposed to figure it out. But that way of thinking about ourselves stops us from reading the code. Because we are essentially, in so many ways, so many amazing ways, social animals. We actually have thermoreceptors in our skin that tell us whether or not there's any body warmth around. Those thermoreceptors don't respond to sun warmth. They don't respond to the warmth from heating elements. They don't respond to, the, uh, to cold. They respond to, is there somebody who's in the human range of uh, body warmth that's close enough by for us to feel. We're, we're incredibly wired for relationship and for being social. So if we define ourselves in the silo and we try to figure ourselves out in the silo, then we're not gonna be able to rewrite the code because we're not gonna be able to read the code. We're gonna think "I, I will never be angry in order to be safe, but that's not talking about the relationship. That's not noticing that there was an impact of being in relationship with the mother there was an impact of being in relationship with the father I will not be angry in order not to start the powder keg of my father's explosions you know uh, once we begin to to see ourselves relationally rather than siloing ourselves then we can actually read the code so it's quite a thing to step into this and begin to explore, which we can do on our own. It's a very, very rich and fun and strange work to step into.
0: Yeah. And, and as you're describing this, I'm also wondering what you see as the connection between uh, unconscious contracts as you're describing it. And then we talk about things like unconscious bias or implicit bias, right? We all have these things embedded in us. And in my mind, there's a, a close connection Uh, between these two concepts, but I I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yes, unconscious bias is another kind of code. It's less available to us than the code that's connected to emotion. It needs a different kind of uh, intentional um, uh, stimulus. People don't appear to be able to, to make their brain not have unconscious bias, but as we become more and more aware that we can have unconscious bias and become humble about it. That appears to be. <laughs> I think that's such a funny thing that research has found out. When it's the um, the essence of so many uh, religious, you know, sort of approaches is the humility. Um, so it makes me laugh that we've discovered with science something that's so deeply connected to human wisdom. But as we are humble about our own unconscious brains then we start to be able to do things a little bit differently and to notice the different structural pieces that create, uh, that that are created by unconscious bias and that crush, uh, that harm people we care about who are people who are sort of ground uh, to pieces under the system. Uh, And as we become aware of that and have warmth and empathy for our fellows who are ground under the system, then we can start to change the system so that it doesn't grind people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as I'm, he- what I'm hearing is that unconscious bias, similarly to unconscious contracts, there are things we're not always aware of, but you're saying um, that unconscious contracts, the emotional piece is actually easier to, to recognize and to rewire than unconscious bias. Is that accurate?
1: That's accurate. Yeah.
0: Yeah so so I guess then what does all this mean for any leader who's listening to this episode and they're thinking yeah you know obviously this has implications for each of us individually but what you know what kind of implications does this conversation have for our teams how do we lead more effectively through being through our awareness of unconscious contracts and how do we communicate that effectively to our people
1: well it, it, the the effectiveness comes from the inner work So as one of the things that's so cool about being a leader is that when people pay attention to us, their brains align with our brains, whoever we pay attention to. In the moments when I pay attention to you, John, my brain is looking for your brain to align with you and to learn what is your brain doing and how is it set up. And if I'm listening to you closely, my brain will actually finish your sentences before you finish them. We can see that on MRIs. And so, again, the the exquisite sociality of humans is quite something. And so as leaders, we often talk about leaders being a model, but we rarely talk about the neuroscience of leaders being a model in that we're offering a calm, self-connected, self-regulated brain that brings with it tons of support and resource as a model for the people that work with us. They get to be, when we get to, when we do this work of aligning our own brains and discovering and rewriting the code, we are offering something completely radical and calming and with full of new possibilities to our teams, as well as of course, being more centered to be able to make good decisions and have good intuition and all of those other things.
0: Yeah, super super interesting. And so as leaders, let's let's always think about modeling um in 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 all aspects of I guess what we do, because people are watching us, they're they're paying close attention to what we're doing uh, and how we're doing it, what we say, how we say it. Um, and and all of that is very true. But what you're also saying is we need to model the introspection and self-reflection, the inner work. We need to we need to help our people to see us going through that process and wrestling with it and being willing to engage in that wrestle and the sociology the, the sociology of it, the 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 connection, uh the human connection that we have with each other through relationships, that even when I'm not saying something explicitly or they're not observing something directly, you're suggesting that we still have some sort of neurological connection uh, where they can sense that that we're going through this process. Is that
1: correct? Yeah. Yeah, and when we're grounded, we're offering groundedness to them. And when we shift, for example, our views on anger, our code around anger, we offer them a new code around anger without even having to talk about it explicitly. Because as the focus of their attention, their brains are following our brains. So this is an entire nonverbal level of leadership, which is fascinating. to explore
0: yeah yeah well this this is wonderful sarah it's it's been super interesting for me to listen and and try to understand as you're describing these unconscious contracts Uh, again we all have them we all come from you know varying backgrounds and and circumstances and upbringings and context uh, all of which shape us and shape our development shape the way our brain functions and this shapes our are, are immediate responses to the types of external stimuli that, you know, trigger emotion. And so we certainly need to, over time, work towards better understanding how we're engaging with the world around us, how we're connecting with relationships and with people around us, um, so that we can we can have a better grasp over the emotions that are popping up for us, and that we can respond in healthy ways. There there is no bad emotion. We have all of the range of emotions for a reason. Uh, you know, when you think of evolutionary psychology, like there's a reason why we have all of the ranges of emotions. So the, the question isn't whether, you know, like su- suggesting we should never experience anger. You know, I, I get why people might feel that way. Like that's important, but you know, that's, that seems a little silly to me. What we don't, what, what I hear when someone says that is that they don't want the negative outcomes of what they've experienced when anger has been expressed in their past right in
1: unhealthy ways in unhealthy ways and so unhealthy anger they don't want unhealthy fear. they don't want unhealthy sadness but all of those emotions have such healthy contributions for all of us
0: yeah so let's learn how to deal with things in healthy ways um and and i think as we do that it's certainly not an easy, quick process. This is something we're all going to be working on our entire lives. It's part of the human condition. We're all messy individuals. Relationships are messy. Anytime you get groups of people together, it's messy. We're leading teams of people at work. It's messy. It's just the way it is. Uh, that's, that's part of why leadership is so fun and interesting and challenging. Um, but as we are, are committed to doing the inner work and exploring all of this and modeling it for our people, I think we'll, we'll see that there are good. Uh, positive outcomes from all of this. We'll be happier. We'll be healthier. We'll be more engaged. We'll we'll have better, deeper relationships, and ultimately, all of these are are really positive things for individuals, teams, and for organizations. Yes. Well, Sarah, it has been a pleasure. I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in a few minutes before we wrap up for today. I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you and find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Thank you. Uh, my my website is Sarah but there's also a website for the books that's your self.com And the your self.com. you can get the books. You can also get the books at any online bookseller or any, you can order them from brick and mortar shops if you want to support your local brick and mortar bookstore, which I always love to do. Um, and uh and Uh, The website has free guided meditations if you want to begin to play with your own codes and if you want to begin to really explore your own emotions. And then there are lots of classes and recorded classes and session work and all kinds of things on the websites. And and so I, I, I hope that you will become intrigued and enter this fun and strange world of rewriting your own codes. I always like to say that if our brain is cruel to us, it's not truth, it's trauma.
0: I love it. Thank you, Sarah. It's just been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Sarah can do for you. Check out the website, check out her book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.